This is the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 215. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Alyssa Padgett, and this podcast is for you if you're all about having the freedom to run your own business while you travel the country or the world. I'm really excited about today's guest for a few reasons. Back when Heath started this podcast nearly five years ago now, wow, that makes me feel old, uh, he said he wanted to talk to people about running businesses from their RVs, but he also wanted to interview entrepreneurs who were disrupting the RV industry and bringing something new to the table, which is exactly what today's episode is about. Gil and Jeff have built a collapsible trailer that can be towed behind any vehicle. I feel like I have to say that again because I've seen a video of it being towed by like a Toyota Camry. It's 34 inches long, like inches, and it expands to over seven feet long. If you're listening to me and you're thinking like, what are you even saying? I need to see this thing. I put one of their marketing videos in the show notes for this episode. So check out heathandalyssa.com slash hitchhotel to see videos and photos because this trailer is really innovative. In today's episode, you'll hear Heath and the guys talk about the process of coming up with the idea for this RV, developing prototypes, getting funding, patenting their invention, and the arduous process of engineering and manufacturing an RV from scratch. Before the guys get into it, let's listen to my friend Emily share Ventured Living, this week's unsponsored sponsor. Hi, we're Hudson and Emily Kreider. We are beat around the U.S. for two years, and now we're based in Mexico. In 2020, we decided to create vegan leather hand sanitizer holders to keep families safe on the go. They can clip to your bag, keychain, or pocket for easy access, whether you're on a hike, getting groceries, or dumping your tanks. They also include refillable hand sanitizer bottles to help reduce plastic waste. They're available on Amazon or through our website, VenturedLiving.com. And Heath and Alyssa, just appreciate you guys so much. Hope you two and Ellie are doing great. Thanks, Emily. Hudson and Emily are two of my favorite people to follow on Instagram because they're basically always on the beach or somewhere tropical and their photos are amazing. You can check out Ventured Living hand sanitizer keychains on Amazon and we've got a link for that in the show notes as well. All right. Take it away, boys. Gil and Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much, Heath. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm 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 really excited to to dig into y'all story, and there's so many different threads I want to pull on, both from building an RV company from scratch because I think it takes a certain amount of good audacity to do that, and the hurdles that you guys have overcome. I want to talk about the fact of how you've financed this company through kind of an unconventional method. But to kind of start it off uh, for people, if if I met up with the two of you guys in a non-COVID world or whatever at like a bar and we were having a beer, how would you describe to me what you guys are currently building right now? Okay, well, uh, this skill. So I'm going to sort of take a, take a leap here and basically tell you that we build outdoor adventure products uh, because we are committed to the outdoor experience. That's my elevator pitch for a very short <laughs> elevator. Nice. And what, and, and what about you, Jeff? How would you, how would you describe it? If, if we were sitting down having a, having a beer, I would, I would pull my phone out and I would show you what we started with and where we're at now and explain that it's, it's a tiny space that expands into a very big space. 
It's inexpensive, it's easy to use, and we think that we're able to, or we're going to be able to fulfill a market that just doesn't exist. The original concept of it, when the idea came to my brain was, my son is an avid mountain biker, downhill mountain bike racer, and these bikes are extremely expensive. And I thought, why in the world would you wanna put your bike on the back of a car, roll into a Denny's for, lunch and then come out and have it missing because someone stole it if it's locked inside the hitch hotel you've got not only a place to store your bike but you've got a place to stay when you get to your location so uh that that was really where the idea came from and that's i would i would ask you hey, do you ride mountain bikes because man you'd love this thing <laughs> yeah and and from my my limited experience and talking with you guys and i want to say that my first introduction to the hitch hotel was I feel like before our introduction through email, I've seen the Hitch Hotel on Facebook and social media with people talking about it. Am I crazy or did that happen? No, you're you're not crazy. In fact, okay. I think we're I think we're crazy for doing this, but you're absolutely not crazy. I mean, one of the very very unique things about Hitch Hotel, and I may be jumping ahead here, but when we decided to launch the Hitch Hotel about three years ago, we launched it on the Kickstarter platform, um, and that's the that's your sort of crowdfunding product. Uh, platform. And one of the things that I was dealing with, with, with a very, very low uh, uh, budget in terms of marketability for this product was that I went and I contacted just about every single cool product website I could think of that dealt with outdoor products, outdoor enthusiasts, portable trailers, you name it. And that is the very, very unique thing about where we live today in this digital society is there is this voracious appetite for content. And so what ends up happening is I go ahead and I put out a unique product and a unique video about this product. Well, what ended up happening is uh, this was probably translated into, at the time, anywhere between nine to 12 different languages, and it was seen all over the world. Uh, one of the most unique experiences Jeff and I had is that we were in Australia a few years ago at a trade show showing our product in a sort of new technology pavilion, and there were people coming up to us going, oh yeah, I've seen this before, as if they had seen it on the road, and it had never been released on the road and that's the power yeah. of technology and videos and connectivity in the internet age in that people have seen this they just can't remember where they saw it and one of the things that comes to mind as a takeaway from just a business perspective is the the best way to get a lot of free marketing is to create a really exceptional product and i know that that sounds like a, a dust statement but if you're building something that doesn't impress people and that doesn't make people want to share it, then it's kind of hard to get attention. You're almost fighting an uphill battle in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Right. I, you know, we, we, uh, when we Gil, when I was finalizing the designs uh, for the Kickstarter campaign, Gil was feverishly writing down websites and showing me all the information that he had gathered. And I was like, man, I think that's going to work really, really well. But we had no idea if it was going to work or not because who knows what people like or don't like, but we were pleasantly surprised very quickly with the response that we got, as Gil said, around the world with all the different languages that came through and 
from that, we realize that we do have something that does grab people's attention. We just need to now translate that into product on the road. Yeah, I love it. And I'm, I'm looking at a photo of the Hitch Hotel right now. So some of you listening may have seen this before, but just to kind of describe it from my own layman terms, and I apologize if I botch the way that I'm describing your really cool product, but effectively it is 39 inches as far as length goes when it's fully compressed and it will hook into the hitch of any vehicle basically. And again, I'm just pitching this after knowing a little bit about the product, but I'm just trying to describe it since we're doing audio and you can't see it. And then when you're set up at your campsite, it expands. And and I don't know how many times it expands upon itself, but it gets pretty decently long. Like you can lay down in this thing and, and go to sleep. And it's a miniaturized, like it's like a tent hybrid with an RV that plugs directly into your hitch. It, you know, like, and, and what you guys told me is that it can hold 600 pounds. So you can carry all your stuff in this really tiny thing. And it's, and the the price point that I see you guys have in here, I know it's not yet in production and, or it's not yet in market for people to just go to a dealer and buy it, but it's going to be like the lowest cost entry RV in, in the world. Basically it's like $6,000. Is that right? Yeah, that, that is correct. And uh, so to answer a couple of your, your statements there, the, the Hitchertel is 39 inches. Uh, there are two versions of it, the, the Classic and the Traveler. The Classic plugs into the trailer hitch of a vehicle that has enough tongue weight capacity on the trailer hitch, uh, which is a class three or a class two and higher trailer hitch. And then the other, uh, the other one is the Traveler and it supports 600 pounds and it can be towed behind any vehicle the smallest vehicle on the planet a, a mercedes smart car can tow it uh, and you are correct the price point is under six thousand dollars so in a nutshell that's kind of what it is uh, and 39 inches to seven feet two inches long so there's plenty of room inside wow that's awesome and the idea for this jeff you said came in 2014 and it's essentially been a experience in and of itself bringing this product to market. And I would assume with when you're building um, an RV that needs to be manufactured, you have to find those partners, you have to source products, you have to get patents, you have to make sure the product's good, you need to get feedback from the market. There's all these different pieces and elements that just go into getting to the point where somebody can just say, here's my credit card, send it to me. Can you walk through some of the high-level time timeline of you guys bringing the Hitch Hotel to market? Sure. Uh, I I we came up with the idea in March of 2014, and uh, the first day that I came up with it, I called Gil the next morning and I said, "Man, I think we've got something here that will really, really do some wonderful things for the RV world and the mountain bike world." and I started working on it that day. Uh, my background is the auto collision industry. I've been building things all of my life. And I had a five hour drive home from where I was and I was thinking about it the whole drive home. And I had the entire thing designed in my head before I got home. And I started working on it the next day and I was sure that I'd have it done within a week and a half. Well, here we are seven years later and that didn't happen. However, uh, the 
timeline of things that needed to occur was well, first thing we needed to do was build some prototypes, which we did. Second thing we needed to do was raise some capital. Third thing we needed to do was create a patent pathway. And all of that had to happen within the first 60 days of bringing this thing to light. And from there is when we started, the, the path started really slowing down because to create something from nothing, a vision in your head into a SolidWorks drawing and then build it uh, is, it's, it's a difficult process. And, and it, it, this product has never existed before. We went through many variations of how to open and close it, how to secure it with its uh, windows and its doors and, and then how to carry it. So from, from 2014 to 2016, we'd spent a whole lot of time on patents and design. In 2016, we got very serious about finding manufacturers. We traveled uh, to the Midwest, Elkhart, Indiana. We traveled to China. And uh, we finally settled on a manufacturer in Foshan, China, which builds RVs for the world. And uh, we've just now gotten to the point where they're going to start mass producing them. So all that in seven short years. <laughs> Go, going back to the yeah. early first yeah. prototype of the Hitch Hotel, you kind of had it in your head. Uh, Gil, do you remember how Jeff pitched it to you? Like, what was the pitch for the Hitch Hotel? Well, I think it probably started with "You're not going to believe this, but <laughs> you know that's probably that's probably how we that's probably how we got that's probably how we got." It sounds like the beginning of it. an it sounds like the beginning of an infomercial for the low yeah, price or, of or seven the, years of your end, life, no. or the end of my friendship. One of the two. No, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the interesting thing, and I think that we've all heard this many, many times, is that sometimes the simplest of ideas is going to. In, require the most involved of processes or engineering or time or management or whatever, whatever it is. And I think that when he had described it to me, the description of what it was, and I remember it, I remember Jeff, I think it was in a pencil drawing was one of the first yeah. things I saw and it could have been on a napkin or a piece of copy paper. But I, the thing that I that struck me about it is I think that as an entrepreneur, you have to look at what is the the value in what we're creating, meaning is there is it is it just value? Am I filling a niche that doesn't exist? Is there a theme about this that makes it unique? And I think that all of those things have a percentage of uh, of interest in whether or not you go through with a product. And for for me, what I saw was I saw a product that did not exist in the marketplace. I mean, right now we deal with camping and RVing. I mean, this is a fifty billion dollar a year worldwide marketplace so to come in and realize that at the bottom end with your your sort of tent campers and your rooftop tent people that are going out there and trying to get a weekend out a getaway you know they have an entry level uh cost of maybe spending a couple hundred dollars on a tent maybe even up to a couple grand on a rooftop tent but they're still tents a lot of people want to create a, a an environment that gets them off the ground and that gives them a feel of personal safety which is what an rv has or what a or what a teardrop trailer has the only problem is that entry level starts at 
10, $15,000. So all of a sudden I went from a $2,000 product to a $15,000 product or a $10,000 product. And I was like, wait a second, you're, you're telling me there's nothing in between there. There's nothing offered to the masses that makes sense. And coming from a marketing, a sales and marketing background, I was like, that's an environment. That's an untapped environment. Now, disrupting a, a billion, multi-billion dollar industry is a little, is easier said than done. But that's kind of yeah. how I saw it. When I, when, I, when I saw the product, I was like, well, the product has merit. So, so what's the interest out there? How can, we, how can we push this forward? Got it. And so you pitched Gil. Gil, you, Jeff, you must have gave a good pitch or you guys are just really good friends because Gil came on board and you started working on this. <laughs> exactly. how, long, how long was it before you had a visual prototype, whether it was just something you could show on the computer or something that actually physically was a put together on your own prototype um, that you could show somebody else? How long did that take? Uh, I'm pretty handy with my hands. So I I built one out of all steel. I built a framework out of steel for the opening and closing of it. Uh, I've been, I'm not a certified welder, but I'm pretty good at welding. So I, I understood that I could build all of this out of, out of thin steel and then wrap it in a fiberglass uh, coating of what RVs are built out of. They're built out of fiberglass roll that is rolled onto plywood. And that's how you see these long 30, 40 foot motorhomes with fiberglass. Uh, so my original prototype, which we have photos of somewhere, uh, I had that done in about two weeks. And, oh, wow. Uh, it went from it went from 75 pounds to 100 pounds, 150 pounds, 175 pounds. It just kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And when I was completely done with that prototype, I went to a very good friend of mine and said, "Do you think you could build this for me?" And I pulled it out of my van, and he looked at it. And he goes, "Dude, you can't do it this way." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You got to make it out of fiberglass." And then the light bulb went on for me. The uh, the frame is was made out of steel. Then the upper shelves are now made out of fiberglass. We in, we created our own molds. We created our own design, and uh, I it took me about three months to do that. I had a very good friend of mine that lived in Hemet. He is a boat manufacturer. He gave me the keys to his facility, and he said, "Just build it here." And I spent months down there building it and. I came up with the original idea in uh, March and by November of 2014, I had a working opening and closing prototype. Uh, It was all hand built, but it definitely was a functioning unit. Uh, And I had numerous magazines that I had been in contact with want to photograph it, but I just wouldn't let anybody do it because it wasn't a finished product. So, but yeah, it took me about six months to, to get to where I had something that was really, really solid and going in the direction that we're in now. And, and so at that point, when you had a finished prototype that you could show off, what was the initial contact with consumers? I'm just thinking through with you guys having built and worked on this for seven years. I know you had your own perception and intuition as entrepreneurs and knowing the outdoor space and things like that to know that, there was an obvious need here, but then sure. the, as far as like the point hitting a customer's eyeballs or them getting to see it, 
When, when was that? That was probably three uh, years ago when we launched our Kickstarter, wouldn't you say, Jeff? Uh, it was a little bit. It was before that. Uh, we Gil is right. When it got when it got big, it was on Kickstarter. But we had a website that was. Uh, we launched the website in 2015 and we've since lost all the content on it, which I was really bummed about because I had so many people on it and we had a lot of, lot of contacts and emails and somehow I lost it. But uh, we had a couple little videos that we had built. I had a, a buddy of mine who was a graphic designer and he was able to do all kinds of really cool graphics for it. And it started catching fire on YouTube and I was being told that the video was up to 20,000 views, 30,000 views. It got up to, I, I want to say 70,000 views uh, before 2017. And so people were seeing it out there. So I created a kind of a, um, a, a pre-order list that not, you were going to give me your, I didn't want your name. I didn't want your address. I didn't want your money. None of that. I just wanted to see what the feel was going to be. And we had probably, I want to say 400 people on that list. And um, when that list started getting big is when Gil and I said, okay, we can take those 400 people, put it on Kickstarter. And I think that's going to translate into uh, at least a hundred or 200 people getting involved. And, um, and that's where the, uh, the disconnect came. But uh, I would say it was about 2016 when uh, we really started seeing some organic growth uh, going on uh, out in the, in the digital media world. But, but that's also be careful what you ask for because we went on Kickstarter and it exploded. And yeah. proof of concept went through the roof. Like all of a sudden, oh no, I, we get it now. Everybody is very, very interested in it. But that now took us to the next level, which is, yeah, Jeff's been instrumental and absolutely fantastic with how he's built this by hand, bolt by bolt and weld by weld. But now the world is interested in our product and I need fully detailed engineered drawings and everything needs to be done down to the last bolt and the last item. And that's when, you know, from a, from a business, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it sort of opened up the next chapter in what really needed to happen and what really needed to be done. If we were going to really be, take this seriously and take this to the next level. Correct. What yeah, no, that, that makes sense. What happened between, 20 say 2015 and 2016 so the first year was the idea the concept and i'm assuming the first year and a half probably kind of building out that first prototype and once you had the prototype what happened between then and the the kickstarter did you start approaching potential manufacturing partners or was that did that come later no, no sure. we did. We, well, on, on the large scale, it did. But my fiberglass yeah. friend down in Hemet, he said, Jeff, I can build these for you, no problem. And I have a, uh, a aluminum welding manufacturer up here in Valencia that I would send drawings to. But, you know, we were very, very limited in working capital. And, you know, you're trying to raise your kids, you're trying to pay your bills and and you're, you're trying to build this thing that is, as Gil has said, is going to disrupt a $50 billion a year industry because it's that different. 
and you're trying to do it with the $10 you have in your pocket. So there was a lot of days that a lot didn't get done. Uh, we move forward every single day, but unless you have, you know, I've been, I've been told numerous times that if you want to start a business or create a product, you better have $2 million in the bank because you need to be ready for all the problems that, that come into play because they come into play daily. And, you know, at that time we had maybe $150,000 wrapped up in the whole deal. And so from 2015 to 2016, I was working more on getting the prototype to work better, the door to open and close, the way the opening of the shells worked and the way the floor went up and down. And as I said, we have some magazine guys that really wanted to photograph it because my son is heavily involved in, in downhill mountain biking. I'm pretty heavily involved in supercross motocross. And there's a lot of people that wanted to take pictures of it. And I just knew that I did not want anybody taking pictures of it yet because it wasn't at the level it needed to be. And when we were able to find a manufacturer in China, uh, these guys said, man, we can do it for you. I got on a plane three weeks later and I was in China touring their facility because I wanted to make sure that they could do what they said that they could do. And it turns out that they could not do what they said that they could do. And I, we wasted about a year of playing games back and forth. I traveled to China three different times uh, before we finally found our current manufacturer. So those years were kind of floundering years trying to figure out how to produce this thing. Because um, when you go from trying to build something in your backyard or in our, our, our instance, we have a 25,000-square-foot facility with all the right tools to build things, but not to make them structurally sound through, uh, through SolidWorks drawings and, and micromillimeters of things and tolerances. Uh, when you go from that level to manufacturing, man, it opens up a whole new set of circumstances. So... Uh, there were some really quiet times there from 2016 to 2017. But in 2017, towards the end of 2017, is when things really started kicking into high gear. Was there, was there ever a point during that process where either of you had the conversation or thought of maybe this isn't such a good idea or, you know, maybe we should, maybe this isn't the right project to be working on? Did that doubt ever come in or... I think we had that two days ago, right? No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So he is kidding. Um, uh, but we, you know, we, because of COVID, we don't spend every day together right now. Uh, and, you know, he can work from his office at home and I can work in my shop. But I have, I, I'll be 100% honest with you. I wake up every single day. There's never been a day that I've woken up and I've thought, this isn't going to work. I know it's going to work. And I drag my butt out of bed every day. To, and I say, okay, man, there's a, there's a lot of hurdles out there, but this is a really good idea. And, uh, and Gil, you know, we'll get on the phone with each other every now and then we'll be like, so how are you doing today? Oh man, it's not really that good of a day. Well, I know it's going to be a good day tomorrow. So the answer is no, we've never looked at it and thought it was not the direction to go. We have spent many, many years waking up every day saying, yeah, we're going to make it. We know we're going right. to make it. It's a good product. And I do want to speak to the community of people uh, just for one second that have supported Hitch Hotel uh, 
in in this in in all of these years, especially the people that even started with us on Kickstarter. And that, um, look, it, had I, you know, I think a lot of times, you, you know, if you knew all of the pitfalls that you were going to face, you maybe never would ever get started in in projects like these or entrepreneurial ventures. Um, and I think that the 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 commitment and the people that have believed in what we're doing, and those people have really been with us uh, for for years now. And those are a lot of reasons why we also continue to go on because there's a lot of people out there that we don't even know personally that have uh, invested uh, with our company and help us raise capital and put money down on on actual products and we, you know we can't wait for those people to have their product and those are other pieces of the pie that keep us moving down the line because we have commitment to these other people and they believe in us and we're going to get it done it might not have happened as quick as i wanted it to but it's gonna happen yeah 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 i think a good takeaway for me when talking with other entrepreneurs and hearing stories like y'all's is um it's it's a kind of a bit of a corny thing that a lot of people will kind of recite in, in things which is you have to enjoy the process of what you're doing because it's going to take so much longer than you think. And I think about entrepreneurship and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other crafts are similar, but if you're miserable in what you're doing and you're only in it for some esoterical outcome of capital or accolades or something like that, like you're not going to make it, you know, like when I'm thinking about right. people that are trying to build what you're building and all that you've been through in the past seven years. And, you know, I know we won't even be able to get it into a fraction of those pitfalls and, you know, frustrations and things like that. I really believe if you don't have an excitement for what you're doing, you're going to eventually probably burn out or fail unless you get lucky Correct. because there's just there's too much stuff that has to be done and also even if you do manage to just grit it out if you don't enjoy that process then I, I don't think any and this is a little bit of me talking to myself as well it's just like you're not gonna the outcome is not gonna make the last so many years of being miserable worth it like it just doesn't magically right. get better so anyway that's just more of a side note takeaway from from hearing a little bit of of your story yeah, the, the commitment to anything really is, you know, I'm sure you've heard the old adage that uh, everyone that succeeds, people come up to them and they say, oh my God, you are an overnight success. And you're like, yeah, overnight. I've been working <laughs> on this thing for 25 years and I, I'm an overnight success. Right. You know, it is the only way there are some people out there that are overnight successes, but it's very, very few and far between because what goes on behind the scenes is, is very, very difficult most of the time because you're creating something that you've never done before, obviously, because it's something completely new. And you, if you don't have the commitment and you're not willing to take the risk, you just, uh, you know, it's not, it's not something that you should do. I, I personally, I've been a risk taker all my life and it's cost me dearly. I've, I'm divorced and um, my ex-wife and I are great friends and my kids are wonderful kids, but it's cost me. And, but I really wouldn't change it because I, I believe in what I'm doing. I've always believed in what I've done and, and, and so much so that I called Gil and I said, you're never going to guess what I came up with. We can do it. He's like, Oh my God, here we go again. <laughs> but you know, so, and here we are, you know, we're, we're, but you are 100% correct when you're talking about the pitfalls. It is, uh, 
it's a it's a rough thing to go out there and make it happen. But if you believe, and it, it's all and it's you, all about the leap too. It's all about jumping. It's all about taking yeah. the jump. I mean, I yeah. think that this speaks to your community, Heath, of people who are like, God, I'm tired of going to the office. I want to cut the cord. I want to make the jump so that I can go out there and I can be outdoors and I can live a life that's more fulfilling, that feeds my soul more than anything else. The only thing that they don't tell you is that when you jump, you have to learn how to make a parachute on the way down. Yeah, that's the difference. Right. Yeah. I love it. So... Getting to 2017, you uh, you decided to put together a Kickstarter to launch the Hitch Hotel, and you've gotten some traffic, gotten some views on YouTube, and some coverage for the product. And then, how much did you guys decide to raise on Kickstarter, and how did that whole experience go? Because Kickstarter is an all-or-nothing platform. If anyone's listening and they don't they don't know much about crowdfunding. There's other platforms like Indiegogo where you can, if you set a $50,000 goal and you raise 25,000, you still keep that 25. Kickstarter's an all or nothing right. game. So what, right, was the, right. um, what were the goals of that Kickstarter and how did it go? Well, in our, in our sort of, in, in our, in our sort of infancy of, of learning the whole process, once again, we had never been involved in crowdfunding either. Uh, this was our first foray into that particular platform. And, uh, we decided to set ourselves at a at a at a hundred thousand dollar level. Like if we bring in a hundred thousand dollars, okay, great. And so what ended up happening was, it's it it took a few took a few maybe a week or so, and all of a sudden we just started just churning like like a bunch of those uh, internet sites that I had mentioned previously in the episode. They just started to hit over and over and all of a sudden we were getting more and more and more and more traffic and people started to say, yeah, you know, I want to hitch hotel. I want to hitch hotel. And they started. And so we got up to about $170,000 and we're committed to about a hundred hitch hotels or 70 hitch hotels. I can't remember exactly the number right now. And both of us felt that we had gotten to a place where, okay, we're not, we're not going to take any more orders because the last thing we wanted to do was, get ourselves in a situation where we're not going to be able to get out of this because we've overcommitted ourselves to something that we're not yet ready to, to deliver on. And we got to that point and we, we basically just put the brakes on because we realized, okay, well, our proof of concept is now there. There are people that are actually putting their hard earned money down for our product. We need to go to the next step. And that's, and that's what, that's what, that's what ensued after, you know, the next few years has brought us to where we are today. And, and yeah, uh, let me, let me expand on that just a little bit sure. in that, you know, we are a, um, when we, when we got on, when we got on Kickstarter, we really did think those three to 500 people were going to come through with the pre-orders that we had gotten the exposure uh, pre-2018, 2017, 2018. And we really thought we were going to raise a million dollars. We thought it was going to happen overnight. And you know, we, just as I thought we were going to have the thing built in two weeks, not, not seven years. But when we got to 176,000, I said, all right, well, we can do it. We can make it happen. And with, that's when the real education became obvious. We, we found a manufacturer that we thought we could have product built here in the United States. He said, this is great, but you got to have some uh, engineered manufacturing drawings. And my son had just graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo as a mechanical engineer. And I thought, man, he'll be able to do it. 
And he informed me, Dad, I, I know what I'm doing, but I don't know this mechanical. I don't know how to make manufacturing drawings. So we found a guy and he said, yeah, we can do this for you. We can, it'll take us about a month to get it done. And uh, it took him four months to get it done. And the budget to do that was about 10 times the amount of money that we thought it was going to be. And we were ready to, to uh, get the product to the manufacturer in at the beginning of 2019. And that is when we decided to stop taking anybody's money because we knew that our timeline was not going to be set in what we had promised people. So we stopped taking any money in March of 2019 because we're trying to be as ethical as we can be. And that's presented a lot of hurdles as well because these people that have backed us are like, man, you know, where's my hitch hotel? And so we, we send out many, many updates to explain to people what's happening because as Gil had said, we did not want to take any more orders because of being honest and straightforward with people. And as you had said and alluded to earlier, it, it, that presents a whole new set of problems. So, uh, and, but that's how it went on Kickstarter. And then we, we moved from that to the, the start engine campaign. Got it. So looking like original, when did you guys think you would, you would have anticipated deliveries for those initial 70 to a hundred units? Uh, well, we thought the original thought was because I thought the prototype was so well built. I could just take it to a manufacturer and build it. I figured we could have it done within three months of the Kickstarter campaign closing. Well, once we realized we needed a, uh, a mechanical engineer that understood manufacturing uh, and he told us that would take three, three months and then three months became four, four became six. Uh, we, we, our timeline changed dramatically. And from there we would tell our, our backers, look, this is what the engineers told us. This is what the manufacturers told us. And we've had since, the Kickstarter campaign started, we probably had four working pre-production models built. And every time that they're built, they, we find a new little issue. And at the end of 2018, when the engineer sat both Gil and I down, he said, you're not going to be able to have this product ready to go for at least another six to eight months. And I looked at him, I said, you're crazy, man. We'll have to think finished. Well, we didn't. Uh, uh, and it's because this is no longer a onesie, twosie product. It has to be mass manufactured. It has to be safe. It has to be easy to use. And it cannot be built at a little facility. It's got to be built in a very large facility because we believe that the, uh, the, the, the want of the product is going to be that significant. So, um, yeah. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of pressure to have every little piece right, too, because if you mess up on one and you manufacture 5,000, that's 5,000 units that are screwed up. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that, that, that has always been a thorn in our side, the, the, the little issue here, the little issue there. And every time you correct that little issue, it's another 30 to 45 days and another 10 to $15,000. Yeah. 
of mm. time that you're spending and uh, because it has to go through the whole process. So, you know, these are all things that we did not have any concept of when we set out on the Kickstarter platform. That's why we told people we could get it to them quickly. Once we realized we were completely off the mark there is when we just stopped. We pulled all advertising for sale and whatnot. And that's when we kind of went into a, uh, I don't want to call it a dark period, but a very ominous period because we had raised as much money as we could raise from friends and family, and we had to figure out a new direction. And uh, Gil was out talking to many, many people about how we might find this direction. And uh, someone mentioned the word start engine to him. And we're like, what a start engine? And uh, Gil can take it from there. Yeah, well, Start Engine is a new-ish platform, and I use new-ish because there's a lot of people that have not heard of it, but um, Start Engine is an equity crowdfunding platform uh, that's been live for quite a few years now. It was uh, actually brought uh, to fruition. One of the guys was Howard Marks, who was the uh, CEO of Activision back in the day. Um, and what it allows people to do is to purchase equity in a company, but in a micro share sort of ability. So whereas maybe your shares are a hundred dollars a share, uh, given your valuation, uh, Kickstarter allows you to take that up, chop that up and make those shares $5 a share. And it allows people to go ahead and buy into a equity position in a company as an investment with a very limited amount of money and a limited amount of exposure and still have ownership in this company. Now, if they're not on the board of directors, these are just common shares. Um, but it also gives people the ability to look at something and say, you know what, it's not even that I'm looking at that as just an investment. It's just, I believe in that product. That's actually something that I do. I'm an outdoor enthusiast. I would like to be involved in that particular product, whatever that product is, Hitch Hotel or not. Um, uh, this uh, platform, I believe one of the sharks just came over the guys from one of the shark tank guys is now part of the yeah. uh, community as well. Um, but um, they also are a broker dealer. They're going to allow you to trade on that platform. I believe it's the new way that people are going to be able to digitally invest uh, in companies in the future. I think you're going to, I think you're going to see more and more of those platforms and um, it's been very successful for us and they're a great a great team of people and um, has really helped us uh, sort of get the word out and, and start to raise uh, more capital for, for Hitch Hotel. So we're, we've been very, very happy with, uh, with what's happened with them. And, and with platforms like Start Engine, I know there's some other ones, um, kind of struggling to think of some of the other names, but I, I know there are other kind of crowdsourced equity platforms. Uh, with Start Engine and the other ones, like you don't have to be an accredited investor, correct? Like anybody can. Invest. No, you don't have to be. You're correct. You don't have to be. And so far on Start Engine, you guys, I'm not sure when the campaign kicked off, but so far on this platform, you guys have raised uh, another $132,000. When did, when did that plat, when did uh, this campaign kick off? So, uh, <laughs> I, I laugh. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because it keeps yeah. me from crying. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me <laughs> talk about that a little bit. We spent, we had to hire a CPA. Uh, we had to hire an SEC attorney. 
uh, all of which we thought was not going to be that expensive. It turned out to be ridiculously expensive. We thought it would be able to be done in three to four months. It took us nine months to get everything uh, SEC compliant, get audited or, or not audited, reviewed financials for all the the years that we had been in business and but we were very happy to do that because we knew that we would be a legitimately uh traded product and company on it's not the new york stock exchange but certainly uh, stocks are traded virtually through this platform and we thought we were going to be ready by december of 2019 uh that did not happen there were so many things that had to have the the T's crossed and the I's dotted that every week it was something new from the start engine guys and we needed to talk to the attorney and the CPA and get this done and that done. And we were very happy when we launched on March 11th. 2000? 2020. It is going to be phenomenal. (laughs) And one week later... California and New York were shut down from COVID. And Gil and I looked at each other and we said, uh, now what? <laughs> well, and that, so, and that was the other thing. That's why I laughed because not only did we get shut down from COVID, but if anybody remembers, the stock market dropped like 2,000 points. And so there was literally like a five-week period where you knew that nobody was looking to spend their money anywhere they were trying to figure out what the hell is going on like is this the apocalypse like i don't even know what's happening and that was the first month and a half of our launch oh man yeah yeah Yeah. and and (laughs) so if you want to talk about entrepreneurs get thrown a curveball man we have a litany of those yeah yeah well (laughs) and and he the the when when we launched Gil had done another revamp uh, to the outdoor community of of online content because we had added the traveler. So we had different right. we had different products out there that would would he could speak to, and we got a lot of horsepower from them within I don't know within uh, within a week, within a few weeks. Yeah, I was getting bylines that said the world's smallest trailer. We've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. And this is happening all during, because these were were internet sites. These were digital. This was digital media. This was all happening during like the the stock market tanking and the COVID being going worldwide. And nobody was paying attention. Nobody. Well, there was, there was certain people that were, we were on car and driver in uh, car and driver in In Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But still car and driver. We are on Forbes.com runnersworld.com. There were outdoorsy. We were on a whole lot of different sites, but you know, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle with no one is going anywhere doing anything. So for the, the first three months of being on the platform, we really thought we were going to raise, you're allowed to raise $1.07 million annually on this reg 506 uh, platform. And we thought we were going to do it quickly. Well, that didn't happen. So to, uh, Start Engine's credit, Howard Marks and his team, they reached out to us and they said, we're going to give you some support here. We're going to help you because we believe in your direction. We believe in your product. And I'll be, I'll be damned if those guys did not get behind us and really 
changed the way we started marketing and we started raising slowly, but we were raising money. We we're spending a lot of money in advertising, but we we're slowly raising money. And, and here we are today. We, we realize that it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And, and we're happy to be a part of that marathon. And we're grateful to the guys at Start Engine because they really reached out and pulled us from the abyss and said, we're going to help. And, and, and here we are today. That's, that's awesome. And so the, the campaign picked up some speed after a massive dip and nobody, because nobody knew what was happening. And where are you guys at today with the Hitch Hotel? You've, the, the campaign is still live, so people can still go on to Start Engine and contribute and, and make investments in the Hitch Hotel. And as far as manufacturing partner, I believe I saw on the, on the Start Engine, you guys finally locked in a, a, a manufacturing partner as well, right? We met these guys uh, in 2016 and just they've been supportive of us and we've been supportive of them and they are just phenomenal human beings over in Foshan, China, which is about two hours north of Hong Kong. We've been to their facility six or seven times and we decided in um, September of, of this of 2020 that we were going to send our final unit working prototype over to Foshan so they could market, they could design the traveler and they could see the fiberglass shells because originally the fiberglass shells were going to be manufactured here in the U.S. We had tried to see if they could find a manufacturer over there, but they really weren't getting the concept. So Gil and I and, and everybody that is involved with us made the conscious decision to stick it in a crate, ship it to China. And the day it was shipping, Gil called me and he said, you know, that is our only really finished unit. Are we sure this is a good idea? I said, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, because of COVID, because of the political environment, it sat in port in Foshan for 60 days. It took a month to get there and it sat there for 60 days. And we were told by the manufacturer that, they might not even get it. They might, the, the, that the Chinese government might not allow it in. And if you want to talk about some dark days, those were some dark days. Uh, but we were very fortunate that in um, December 30th, I believe, we got an email from them with a photograph, and it's actually on our start engine campaign of it in their factory, ready to go. And uh, they're they're working on it as we speak. So uh, Gil can talk, speak to the letter of intent and the contract that we're doing. But after after a three month delay of making that decision, it is now being manufactured in a four hundred thousand square foot facility uh, with uh, their RV manufacturers already, and they have distribution around the world, and and they're heavily working on it at this point. Yeah, That's I think amazing. that what yeah, I think that what what it, when it comes to speaking about sort of the entrepreneurial process is that for us we realize that that the the real relationships are what's going to sort of support you and support your business model because listen, we wanted to originally make the entire thing in the United States. I, I, I we, we were committed to it a hundred percent. We went all the way to Elkhart, Indiana, uh, to the, to the hub of the RV industry and where it's all made there. Um, at the end of the day, that didn't necessarily work out for us in the best way for, for, for a litany of reasons, but it just didn't work out. Um, the relationship, 
that we've had with uh, these Chinese manufacturers translated. They came over here and we helped them uh, showcase in an, in an overlander uh, 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 trade show in, in Flagstaff, Arizona in 2019. And this just the, just the, fact that Jeff and I took time out of our schedule to help them uh, navigate what it was like to uh, showcase themselves in a trade show in the United States, in Flagstaff, Arizona, of all places, uh, not not New York City or Los Angeles. Uh, they were so grateful and have been such uh, such great uh, sort of manufacturing partners and that have willing, been willing to sign a letter of intent moving forward to help us produce the Hitch Hotels uh, was a huge coup for us because, as I said before, once you open that door and, and what comes through is, hey, guess what, guys? You need a global manufacturing network. That I mean, unless you're 22 years old and you've got a 30-year plan, you've got to get some help. That's just, there's no other way to do it. And these, like Jeff said, they are RV manufacturers. They have distribution networks in Europe, in Canada, in um, Australia, within China. And so for a manufacturer to say, you know what? We believe in this product. We're going to help you make it. And we're going to help you distribute it via our network. That was a huge coup for us moving forward to our next step, knowing that there is a partner behind them. There is a relationship there that we're going to be able to, uh, to, to sort of work with and work uh, upon. And I know that that's going to change down the road. We may have relationships with other people, or this may change into something else. But as of right now, we are, we're very excited with our trajectory and, and our traction so far. So, you know, we're hoping that it's going to be sooner than later uh, before you see these hitch hotels on the road. And, and that's what we've been gearing for overnight, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> yeah. An over a seven year overnight success. Right. Um, they're yeah. the best with, with the, having locked in an LOI with the manufacturer, obviously there's still some pieces to go. Are you guys hopeful that some of the hitch hotels will roll off the line in 2021? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. The, the, uh, this facility, if, if anyone goes to the start engine platform and sees our platform, uh, you can scroll down to the bottom and you'll see some images of the factory over there. It, it, is, it is a state-of-the-art facility. They, they build everything in-house. They have their own uh, machines to bend and weld aluminum steel. They have their own powder coating system. They have a minimum of 10 engineers that are full-time staff. I believe that their employment is uh, about 270 people. Uh, the CEO has become a personal friend of both Gil and I, and he told us in September that he hired 30 more people uh, with the with the intent of of using those people to help manufacture the Hitcher Tell. So, with the that ability, we believe that we'll be ready for sometime in mid spring. Uh, because all of the real hard work has been done now. What needs to happen is they just need to, they need to button everything up and, and solidify that it all is, it works together in a manufacturing process. They need to create a, an assembly line. And once that's done, uh, they will be shipped to us completed. And uh, the, the Gil can speak to what we're doing around the world 
but one thing I will say is we went from onesie twosie to looking for a manufacturer anywhere in the world to now becoming or being able to become a powerhouse in the RV manufacturing world, not because of us, but because of them. But at the end of the day, becoming a powerhouse is going to allow us to get the product out there around the world quickly. So it, it may have taken a, a, a roundabout way of getting there, but I think that household name status that we're looking for can be achieved here in the next 12 to 18 months. When you guys look at the story and the narrative and everything you've experienced over the past seven years to get to this point with a, a product that has went through lots and lots of iterations and lots of people excited to see it in in their driveway and on the road. Uh, looking back on this whole kind of experience to bring Hitch Hotel to life, what do you feel is one of the biggest takeaways from each of you around just bringing a new business into the world? You have to be a risk taker and you have to be willing, if you're going to be an entrepreneur at anything, it doesn't matter if you're going to start selling ice cream to, you know, out of the back of your van or, or, or open a body shop or create an RV company. You have to be willing to take the risks. There are not too many entrepreneurs out there that have not risked everything that they've got to get where they're at. And some guys will tell you, some men and women will tell you, it really wasn't worth the risk because I lost this, I lost that, but eventually I gained. Uh, if the, the takeaway for, for me, and I, if I was to, to tell somebody what they needed to do to move forward is, number one, you have to have the, the, the passion to do it. You can never lose that passion. Number two, you got to have a good plan. That plan is going to change a hundred different times, but you have to have a good plan. You definitely have to have a good market and you have to have a, a really, really solid team of people behind you, whether they're employees or vendors or, or as in our case, the backers on Kickstarter, they have supported us. They're, they're getting, tired of supporting us because we haven't come through with everything, but they believe in what we're doing. We've always been honest with them. And if you can put all those things together, you really do have a shot at making things happen. That the, When you were a kid and people tell you, or your parents told you, you can be anything you want. Well, you know, if you work hard enough and, and, and you're honest about everything that you do, I, I believe that you can achieve those goals. And it just doesn't really happen uh, on the, in the time frame that you think that it should be. I'm a big believer in the universe and things pulling us through. And just because I think it's going to happen in, in two weeks doesn't mean that's the universe's plan. So, uh, and, and Gil can speak to that even more. Yeah, I apologize for my dramatic pause there, but I, 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 I sometimes laugh because of the absurdity of like where I'm at right now. I mean, here I am speaking to you and my kids are in the other room taking school online, you know, and my daughter should be going to uh, a water polo practice, but there is none. You know, and so and now and now I'm talking about like what 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 propels me forward in my work life and in my business life. And I think I think what Jeff said in terms of belief and passion is is absolutely there, because I think that if you do not find something that feeds your soul, you need to keep looking. 
because a lot of times we, we, we get to be fortunate enough, hopefully, that we get to do something that we really like. Um, I know there's a lot of people that probably listen to the RV entrepreneur because they're just tired of getting up and going to the office and having that idiot of a boss talk down to them in a condescending manner. And they're like, I don't need to do this. There's, there's got to be another way for me to, to, to make a living or to live my life to the fullest. And for me, it's the wins that I get being an entrepreneur because I go through all the bad times and and, and contrast, I think, is the biggest indicator of where we're at because you do not know how good something is until you've gone through the bad stuff. There's just no way right. to do it. And if you go through the bad stuff and you go through the hard times and you come up on the other side, that win on the other side, that contrast on the other side, I think is what feeds my soul and keeps me going as an entrepreneur. I love that. It's such a great note to to wrap up this episode Gil and Jeff thank you guys so much for uh, coming on the podcast and sharing your story and uh, your excitement for the Hitch Hotel if people want to follow along if they want to maybe place pre-orders or just keep in touch with you guys as you're going to be releasing as you're going to be releasing this product into uh, the market in 2021 what is the where's the best place for them to connect with you so the first best place would be startengine.com. Um, we're at startengine.com uh, backslash hitch hyphen hotel, or you can go to hitchhotel.com. Either one of those will, will get you to both places. Start Engine will allow you to uh, go ahead and actually invest uh, in, in our campaign, uh, communicate with us, uh, uh, the Hitch Hotel platform, uh, although not selling any, um, uh, I mean, Hitch Hotel website, not selling any products right now, but will allow you to contact us either way. Our numbers are on there, our emails are on there. So feel free to, to reach out to us uh, with uh, whatever your needs are. I love it. Well, thank you guys again, both so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Heath. Thank you. Really Heath. Thank it. you very much. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes at heathamelissa.com slash hitch hotel. If you want links to the hitch hotel, want to see photos and videos of this really cool and faded new trailer that is hopefully going to hit the road here in America in 2021. We will see. See you guys next time on the RV entrepreneur podcast. <laughs>